Well, hello there. It is great to see you again, and welcome back to the Impact Report. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff of the Celebrity Branding Agency, and in a few moments, we'll be joined really by the star of our show, and that's Mr. Eric Lawton, the president and CEO of Impact Financial. He'll be joining us for another wealth management-related discussion today, uh, and if you're joining us maybe new for the first time, uh, you know that's what we cover here on the show. Eric taps into nearly two and a half decades worth of experience in the financial services sector and brings the different strategies, solutions, and conversations that he's having on a daily basis with his clients over at Impact Financial directly to you and to this show. So today, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be diving into this idea of family wealth and particularly uh, a strategy that is used among families to help better align them when it comes to their goals and their aspirations for the wealth as a whole. I'm excited that Eric's you know, brought me onto this show to kind of host things and walk him through, ask him some questions about this topic at, at, our, you know, at hand today, uh, you know, and we can really dive in deep into our topic surrounding family wealth today. Now, that being said, let's go ahead and bring him out. Eric, good to see you. How are you doing today? Good to see you, Ryan. Welcome, everybody. Hey, I'm excited to be back with you today and really to get into our topics surrounding family wealth. Obviously, the work that you do, Eric, uh, with so many of your clients, uh, they come with families. Uh, so you're no stranger to these conversations surrounding family wealth and the work you guys do over at Impact Financial. But uh, Eric, you know, I think we should really just start today's conversation by just acknowledging the fact that one of the biggest concerns, really, that of faces affluent families and individuals today is just how to manage their wealth that, so that it achieves typically it's a few things, right? It's that they want to continue to grow their wealth. They want to make sure that it, uh, it aligns with the values and the goals of, of the family. And then of course they want to make sure it's not taken unjustly and that it, it really sustains itself over time and for generations to come. So that being said, Let's get into you and your experiences here, Eric. In your experiences, what kind of unique challenges do you see when an affluent family, uh, you know, with wealth, obviously they attempt to work together to manage that wealth? What do, what do you see in terms of challenges on this front? So, you know, look, it's this is a very important topic. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so, it, and it's a tricky one. Uh, so, you know, look, affluence can help families achieve great things. Right. And it can help them realize shared vision. Right. Of course. But it also creates sometimes could create resentments uh, could, could create rifts that could potentially damage a family's financial position. Uh, it could cause estrangement among family members. And when decisions about significant wealth involve multiple family members from more than one generation, the opportunity for conflicts to arise is greatly magnified. Yeah, I believe it, Eric. And and that being said, do you see any specific wealth-related issues that you, maybe you tend to see more than others when yeah. these families uh, try to work together with those significant assets? You know, it it does depend largely on the amount of assets, uh, as well as whether mm -hmm. the family is involved in a business together. Sure. Uh, that definitely puts a a, a, a a different aspect to it. But but broadly speaking, um, as wealthy families grow and expand over time, one big issue is keeping them and their shared capital together. And sometimes the wealth remains commingled, you know, because of legal structures, clearly, but, you know, such as multi-generational trust, those sort of things. However, you know, family members who feel wronged in some ways may take legal action to try to break such trusts. And then 
it could create, you know, greater family disharmony, possibly mm -hmm. jeopardizing the family's bottom line. So, you know, we get into the, some of those things and you know, maybe we try to take a step ahead of that and say, how can we go ahead and uh, try to avoid this as much as possible? Yeah. And if there's one thing, I think any of us, maybe between the two of us, and of course, all our viewers know family issues, boy, can they just snowball? They really can snowball and just yeah. become worse exponentially over time. So let's talk today. That's why we're here. We're talking about a strategy that families can really implement to really promote more harmonious situations and get everybody's attitudes aligned and make sure everybody's working well together when it comes to the wealth. Eric, what do you see on this front? What is that strategy that families can be utilizing? Sure. I mean, yeah, look, use the word harmony. <laughs> I'm glad you did because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I was about to say the same thing. When we first come into a situation, there there is family harmony, hopefully. And yeah. if there isn't, let's lay it all out on the line and, and try to get there. So to avoid things that I was talking about earlier or similar outcomes, you know, we want to build that harmony. So we suggest that the families consider creating what we call a family constitution. So what is that? A family constitution, it, it can be effective, effective tool for dodging these serious conflicts and facilitating agreement among the family members. It can help family members address their concerns and preferences constructively. And often it can lay out the future directions and actions the families intend to take. Um, it's a step that far more families should consider. I, I hear you on that. So let's get into the how now for our audience. Okay. How does this document work? How does a family constitution work rather to really promote the better family relationships, especially as it relates all to the family's wealth? So family constitutions start by recognizing that there is contentiousness in nearly all families. Yeah. You know, family members will disagree and fight. <laughs> I mean, they will. Yes. That's it's actually healthy. Sure, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> so, so, you know, family constitutions seek to spell out specific ways a family can effectively address conflicts and and really almost certainly to arise over time, you know, ways to get around, you know, not to get around it, but really, again, uh, address those things. And it's across generations. You know, one of the biggest goals for a family constitution is to prevent the types of family conflicts that can tear families apart and diminish fortunes, right? Family mm -hmm. constitutions are designed to detail how a family will deal with dissent when it rises. When there's a specific method, which is what this is for dealing with, you know, managing and dealing with family conflicts, those methods, if they're well-documented and described, a family can be very effective at reducing infighting. And, and quite honestly, it may be a way of eliminating it. So the whole point of the family constitution is to head it off, head it off in the beginning, to head it off yeah. before it ever happens and promote this communication, uh, striving for consensus among the family members. Mm -hmm. Again, all around the core principles, values, and the long-term intent, taking that emotion out of it. Yeah. And, and Eric, I can see how having it tangibly in your hands, written down on paper for everybody to see and adhere to, that can make a big difference rather than just maybe the conversation one night over dinner talking about what we would like to see happen with the well. That's a, two very different things. Having it tangibly in front of you can really hold some power and some weight. So Let's get into the how now, uh, you know, in terms of the the actual development of this process, because I'm sure there's some folks in the audience here that are, are listening to us and they're thinking, yeah, actually, this makes sense. Maybe it, this would be worth 
you know, looking into for me and my family, how then would you say, Eric, a family should go about really drafting that family constitution so that it achieves the types of goals and outcomes they want? Sure. So, you know, a family constitution should, among other things, help the family equitably address issues around its wealth, mm -hmm. which might include assets such as an operating business, uh, property like real estate, art, uh, as well as the invested wealth and other savings. Specifically, a constitution should specify a few things. So first, how the wealth is to be used by the family members. Second, what limitations there are and how the wealth is spent invested and donated. Third, who makes the decisions? How are these decisions made? Then how family members can provide input or impact the decision-making around the distributions and uses of wealth. Finally, how family members are prepared to perpetuate family values and manage the family wealth. In general, the family constitution will include three key sections. One, who is defined as family? It's really important. You know, as families become larger, sometimes decisions are made specifically or specifying rather who the family is and is not. For example, you know, some families exclude those who marry in. Some don't, but it, it's good to know and define who is family. The second, the ideology of the family. This spells out what the family stands for, including its values and objectives. Third, reasons for staying together. This details the rationale for managing the joint capital and the benefits of maintaining family cohesion. Factors such as love and concern, along with financial considerations, are usually part of this section, of course. Got it. So I, I like those three different areas that are really, so it's defining family, the ideology of the family, and then, of course, really the reasons for a family staying together. I, I love that because you know, we all hear this growing up and in our lives that fam family is the most important thing to you. Uh, well, when wealth and assets come into play, that can muddy those waters. Uh, so again, having those three very important facets of this family constitution there written down in front of you, boy, can that just help clearly define and really reinforce how important family can be uh, in matters like these and almost kind of take some of the wealth out of the equation for a second, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I like that a lot, Eric. So let's get into the who now when it comes to this family constitution. Who would you say should be involved maybe in these discussions? Um, you know, in discussing the issues and then of course, creating, drafting the document, going through the actual creation of the document, who from a given family? Certainly in the beginning, the, the key decision makers across mm -hmm. the family need to be involved and heard. Um, in developing this family constitution, it's necessary to gain consensus among family members. That's really mm -hmm. important. Uh, without broad-based agreements, the family constitution sure. will likely never be written. Uh, and if it is, it'll be contested and thrown in a drawer. Uh, also, a family constitution should be written when the family relationships are strong, um, at least not strained, and that makes the consensus more likely. All parties should be motivated to reach agreements and develop shared solutions. Mm -hmm. Got it. And, you know, Eric, for, for maybe some of our audience members that are legal savvy, shall we say, <laughs> they're probably thinking, how formal of a document is this really? You know, are we talking about this being really a, uh, a formal document that is signed and adhered to, or is it a legal binding document? Or would you say that this is more, more of just kind of a set of guidelines and recommendations on how to proceed forward? 
Sure. I mean, I think some people that might be listening to this will say, well, why do I need this? We we've already set up trusts. You know, we can't we can't evade the trusts. We don't. What, what do we need this for? You know, we have these legal documents so we don't have to worry about if there's infighting and stuff like that. Well, family is family. And, and, and to avoid those types of uh, going to that level or that extreme of having to challenge a trust. So you want to create this first. This is a family constitution. It can be changed. It is a written document. Um, so it's formal in that sense. However, it's only a set of guidelines, uh, prescriptions, if you will. So in most cases, uh, it's, not a, it's not a legal or binding document that needs to be adhered to. Um, but family members create their constitution together and, and hopefully pledge to honor it over time. Mm -hmm. No, it makes sense to me. So uh, yeah, it's that, it, you know, it's a set of true recommendations, but it, because the family makes it together, it, it really holds more weight. Um, yeah. so not necessarily a legal binding document in that, in that essence, but, um, Let's get into this then, Eric, because, you know, in, in a few of our past conversations and episodes, we've talked about just how circumstances change, right? I mean, given the various things happening in our world, you know, things happening financially, maybe, you know, business oriented for the family, things change. It goes almost without being said. But that being said, what other advice might you give to help ensure that a family constitution remains relevant and remains adhered to over time, given the fact that so much can change? Sure. A huge thing to understand is this family constitution must be seen as a living document. It's mm -hmm. not static. It's not a one and done agreement sure. to create and put in a filing cabinet, as I was sort of referring to earlier. It, it's likely to be important to modify the constitution over time as family circumstances evolve. You know, adopt this flexible approach uh, and say certain family members can be given more authority over time. Right. As they get older, more trustworthy, for example, you know, that approach will encourage just as we want to do. We want to encourage family harmony over the years as the situations evolve. That's what this is about. Got it. And, and now let's let's get into maybe the who the other side of it, shall we say, uh, who can families then turn to for help with this? You know, maybe it's from the process of just identifying their values or their concerns to the actual process of creating the document and then making sure it's adhered to over time. Who would you say a family can turn to for help with this process? Every situation is different, right? But, sure. um, you know, you want to gain consensus. Um, you know, that requires openness and cooperation yeah. among the family members. Uh, so to that end, many fam wealthy families use facilitators. Uh, it's very common to do that, to help them work through the relation, you know, relationship issues and, and kind of put the emotions aside uh, that could be attached to financial issues. Um, you know, so we've seen that conversations around family money can be very intense, right? Go figure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, often right. overlap with family history and you know, acrimony that exists. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, you know, and it's particularly in this day and age with social and political differences, yeah. you know, they make their way into the conversations and around money. So we try to, mm -hmm. you know, again, have that facilitator put that aside. Yeah. So really, um, you know, a neutral third party facilitator really can help keep these tensions at bay and, and keep family members focused on agendas instead of emotions. Makes sense. So yeah. Eric, we've thrown a lot at our audience, a lot of different angles to cover with the family constitution, the who, the how, the what, but I think it'd be helpful maybe for, as we're, you know, kind of bringing our conversation to a head here, uh, in closing, if you will, could you kind of just summarize maybe those key reasons, bottom line it for us on really the value, why somebody should be considering a family constitution. 
Yeah. Four key takeaways. You know, okay. what is yeah. it for the family constitution? One, memorialize a family's principles and values. Mm-hmm. Right. High level. Memorialize the principles and values of the family uh, to establish checks and balances among different interests, as well as ways to address conflicts, you know, and communication protocols. Right. It's important to understand that, you know, how far can we take this? Those protocols. Three is promoting accountability of family members in this mm-hmm. document and ensure flexibility so the family can adapt and change. You know, we want to be flexible. You know, we want to be accountable. We want the protocols. Yeah. We want to keep to the principles and values. But as things change, we want to be able to recognize that and, and uh, you know, adapt. Sure, sure. So, again, you know, the biggest takeaway is this is a positive thing. This is, yeah, this is yeah, meant to be absolutely. positive. You know, the family has, you know, the, the, through generations has worked so hard to, to create this wealth and, and provide for the family and, mm-hmm. and provide for the causes they care about, you know, given their values and, and, and what they want to do. We're just trying to preserve that. But we're yeah. also trying to keep it up to date and modern with mm-hmm. where we are in society and, and going through time. And how can we how can we perpetuate uh, such a positive influence going forward with our family mm-hmm. and and uh, in our society with with the wealth that was created and we continue to create and build upon. Uh, I, I love this strategy. It's it's just something that a family can always circle back to, uh, you know, whenever, uh, you know, like we had said, it, conflicts arise, it happens, whether we like it or not, but it's going to arise. But to have a jumping off point, if you will, to have that, that, the, the set of recommendations that you as a family put together and have maintained over time, boy, can that be powerful to revisit over time when those conflicts do arise? Because yeah, money related conflict within a family is never an easy conflict. So it's nice to have something to always go back to as home base, if you will. Uh, so I love this conversation, Eric, and I appreciate you, you know, carving out some of your time and your day to, to be with us to do this today. That being said, let's say anybody in our audience, maybe they're interested in just talking to you a little bit more about this process or anybody at, at impact financial, how should they best go about reaching out to you and your team to continue this conversation around the family constitution? Hey, you know, Ryan, like was like I've said before, you know, we're easy to get a hold of. Uh, you know, we work with a limited number of clients to make sure we can make the biggest impact. So we're always open to talking with new people. If we can help them, you know, that'd be wonderful. If we can't, we can help them in other ways by, by you know, introducing them to other people that, that can. But the best way to get a hold of us, first go to our website, you know, www.impactyourgoals.com. Uh, you could send me a quick email. It's eric at impactyourgoals.com. Pretty simple. Uh, and, uh, you could like us, tweet us and share, you know, uh, but essentially give us a call, connect with us, uh, send us an email and we'd be happy to share, you know, any resources that we have to, to get you to that next level. Fantastic. Well, Eric, thank you again for carving out some time of your day to be with us and dive into the family constitution and, uh, looking forward to having you back and jumping into another wealth management discussion here soon. Great. Thanks, Ryan. All righty. Look at, Hey, we want to take one more moment to thank you, our audience members for jumping aboard the episode today. If you liked what you saw, you enjoyed benefited from anything said today on the discussion, do us a favor, like the show, comment on it, subscribe to whatever platform you're checking us out on. And then of course, share this information with friends, family, business owners, anybody that you think would benefit from some of these conversations. Cause I've said it before. I'll continue to say it. We've got some great conversations lined up for future episodes down the road. And we really would love to have you with us would hate to have you miss out on any beneficial information that could be packed into those conversations so for mr eric lawton i'm ryan ruff we're saying so long but we thank you once more for joining us on today's edition of the impact report 
Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Brian Ruff of Celebrity Branding Agency and Impact Financial are separate entities and not affiliated with LPL Financial.